Before we start, I just want to let you know in this episode we talk pretty extensively about uh, substance abuse, suicide, obviously seeing which song we're talking about this episode, you know what it's going to be about if you uh, are a Pearl Jam fan. Anyway, if uh, substance abuse is something that you are dealing with right now and you need some help, you can call 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. That gives you the National Helpline for the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. You can also go to samsha.gov, and there are a ton of resources on the website that uh, can help you out no matter what situation you find yourself in. There's also the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-TALK. You can also text HOME to 741741 or call 988. But if all of this is something that you don't want to deal with right now, then go ahead and skip this episode and just make sure you're taking care of yourself. And if this isn't something that you are dealing with personally, make sure you're checking in on your friends, making sure they know that you are there to help and support them and that you care. And I care. We all care about you. That's why you need to take care of yourself, because you matter. So with that out of the way, let the show begin. The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty close to done with it. Excellent. Now, is it, uh, I figured, it, is this an album you were sort of looking forward to? I mean, it's very long, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> but but you kind of get to time jump a bit if you're kind of a little bit like, all right, I'm just in binaural or riot acts. Like you're kind of in one era for a while, but this one you kind of get to, you know, jump through time a little bit. Is that is that nice for you? Yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to do Lost Dogs on its own and not like take all of the um be like not take all the tracks in lost dogs and put those in with the album seasons right right just because it kind of gives me a nice i guess that yeah like break of you know talking about one time and going forward and everything like that this kind of gives me a a look back at oh yeah that was you know because i talked about you know 10 what did 2019 <laughs> so. right right I know, and there's so many, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of other bands that people get really excited about the B-sides for, but Pearl Jam is an amazing example of that, where there's so much great material in that, mm -hmm. you know, in those reserves. So their B-side album could be, you know, considered a highly ranked one in their entire catalog. So that's... uh you know, there's, there's a lot of quality stuff on this. There are some weird <laughs> stuff. I mean, I don't know if I, Grammy out of control wasn't always one I listened to, you know, more than like twice, but, but that is, that is cool. Welcome to season eight, episode 33 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I'm your host, Brandon Paloma. 
Each episode, I go track by track with a guest through every album, soundtrack, single, and B-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the Lost Dog Hidden Track for 2002 with guest Thomas Gregory. Hello, Thomas. Hello, Brandon. How are you today? Oh, I am well. How about you? Uh, pretty good. I'm excited to talk about another song. I know it's uh, it's one of their darker ones, but I love, uh, I love talking Pearl Jam, so it's always a good thing. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, you're feeling good? Well, get ready to uh, get bummed out, because <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what's on the docket for today in this episode. We'll figure it out. We, we can... We can uh... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, this song is, uh, again, the hidden track on Lost Dogs, not on the vinyl, of course, and uh, only on the CD. Uh, I don't believe Lost Dog was released as a cassette, though. So, oh right, I wouldn't be able to uh, know that. Cassettes are coming back too, right? <laughs> For some <laughs> mistake of a reason, because I, I don't know if people forget that cassettes sound awful, right? And they take time <laughs> to rewind. Yeah, it's like the only the only good thing about cassettes were that they were portable. They're small, yeah, and then you could record whatever you wanted to on them, right? Phones are infinitely more portable, and they sound a whole lot better, and you don't need to record anything because everything's all just digital, and you can just stream whatever you want and everything. Right, right. Nostalgia can be uh, mysterious in that way. <laughs> yeah. The ki kids, don't get any cassettes. If you want to be really cool and hipster and contrarian and stuff, get into mini discs. That's where it's at, not cassettes. <laughs> yeah, what was the the rival to Blu-ray? It was uh, HD DVD. HD, maybe it was HD DVD. I thought there was another one too, but that yeah, was Blu-ray and HD DVD. I think Xbox had HD DVD when it first came out, and then uh, Sony had Blu-ray, and or it's switched or something like that. And then when Blu-ray was like, oh yeah. Blu-ray is what it is, and then the other video game system was like, okay, we switch. Yeah, yeah. They're like, ah, oh, we... <laughs> it's like beepers versus cell phones. <laughs> yeah. We lost. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this song is about four minutes and 20 seconds after the end of B-Girl. Uh, sort of adding more to that. It's uh, stylized pretty much as a, as a date. Uh, that is the date where pretty much the news came out that uh, Lane Staley had died. Uh, he actually died on April 5th from a drug overdose, and that is was eight years to the day when uh, Kurt also died from suicide. Yeah, that was uh, that's a heavy, heavy grunge day, and it's weirdly also McCready's birthday. Oh, really? Which is crazy. And then also, uh, I was looking up that date for any other significant events, and also it was the day that Allen Ginsberg died, which I don't know if Kurt or, or Lane were fans of him, but he seems like maybe he could have overlapped with some of their writing influences. Because Ginsberg died in the mid-90s? 
late 90s? Uh, I have it as 97. 97. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember people talking about when he died. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, dragging themselves through the Negro streets at dawn looking for an angry fix, angel-headed hipsters burning for the ancient heavenly connection to the starry dynamo and the machinery of night, who poverty and tatters and hollow-eyed and high sat up smoking in the supernatural darkness of cold water flats, floating across the tops of cities, contemplating jazz. Uh, you're talking about uh, Ginsburg or for... Alan Ginsburg, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was... I did not know him much at that point because I had just started high school. But it, yeah, in college, like you do the howl and you go through the American literature that uh, was in the program that I was in. And yeah, then you realize well, this is like how much of the 60s culture and how much American culture came from some of those uh, those guys that really, uh, you know. Counterculture poets. Yeah, and just like you just think of what America was like in the 50s and how it how much it changed in like even 10, 15 years. It was mm-hmm. insane. So good for good for that group. But yeah, heavy day for writers and 90s seattle music yeah um it's written in a ukulele tuning which is firmly in the riot act era which is uh when it was recorded because he recorded it that day you know can't keep is also in that same tuning so yeah i i uh did not i sort of assumed you think early 2000s ed he made that uh he was in that he had that binaural uh statement that he said oh i I had to stop picking up guitars. I had to, I had to write lyrics. I was getting behind and had writer's block. So then he started getting into ukulele, and then that kind of a lot of the ukulele songs I think were written in the early two thousands, or some of them were. So you could see where a song like this would have that same sound. And I was not sure. I'm like, is that an electric ukulele or is that a guitar? But I think it was, it was in PJ twenty. It confirms it's a guitar, right? With the ukulele tuning i think um yeah because that's how you, that's how they play can't keep oh okay yeah uh so you can uh see that that's in you got that like fast ed like pete townsend kind of strumming that he does on um some of the other ukulele songs and i think there's one called you're true that sounds like on ukulele songs it almost sounds like pinball wizard like the way he's strumming it and in parts of this it, it has that kind of galloping Pete Townsend-y kind of part to it, even though it's kind of a, ends up as a bit of a slower song, but you can feel the era that Ed was writing it in. And it obviously was an immediate song because he was writing it pretty much on the day he found out.
PG-20. Uh, Mike McCready said that's, that's Ed himself. I got a call from Kelly Curtis that Lena died. We were in the studio at probably 11 at oh, night. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's... Oof. You recorded it at like 2 or 3 in the morning just with the producer, Adam Casper. That's uh, that's raw right there. But you can see why that they Ed might have wanted to keep it as a hidden track in that I know, I think he said for immortality or or maybe it was vitology in general that they were asked like, oh, is there any like Kurt stuff in here? Because it was written before everything with Kurt happened, but kind of released after. So they're like, oh, is there any people are looking at? It? And it's one of their darkest albums. And Ed was like, well, I don't want it to seem exploitative, but I would say that you can read things into it that somebody's on a I believe he said parallel train. Yeah. Where somebody who's under a lot of pressure, somebody who never thought they would get this big has a lot happening to them and they they might, you know, find be fumbling around in the dark and not not recover from that. And it's it's uh it's hard and it's uh you could see how I think in the episode I talked to you the first one was I'm open and we talked about how sensitive artists can be and how they they can do what they do because they are uh they feel things a lot Mm -hmm. and that this could be you know one of those things where people need to find relief in other ways and it just you know swallow them up and it's you know weighty but it's uh it makes you appreciate that we knew them when we did. Yeah. Also, after Lane Staley had died, I believe uh, Billy Corgan said that the song Bleeding the Orchid from Zeitgeist was inspired by him. Oh, okay. Uh, also, the title of the album of uh, Allison Chain's reformation after uh, Lane Staley's death, Black Gives Way to Blue, uh, that, that song on the album is uh, also a sort of tribute to him. Uh, and then if you have ever heard the Stained song, Lane, uh, that is a super uh, Alice in Chains ripoff. It is... Okay, it is... That's, <laughs> that's an interesting weave-in with this song itself, yeah. It is, it is very painful to <laughs> listen to. You're like, no, I would rather just listen to Alice in Chains than this. You can just listen to Alice in Chains instead of this. Right, and that's I think that's something that Eddie really is pointing at, at the lyrics. I mean, the first verse, so all you fools who sing like him feel free to do so now because he's dead. It's just like I am frustrated in how much people are just pulling from him and sort of passing it off as their own, I don't know their own version of artistry. Cause he 
but it's also i mean some people are just good singers and sometimes they just sound like people that they sound like but it's and they get signed because they sound like somebody <laughs> yeah so you don't it becomes a chicken or the egg as far as is it the a and r guy's fault or is it you know the bands who are trying to sound like people's fault but it's it is hard to figure out where the line is between taking something that you love and you know using it as a trampoline off into like a new artistic direction or are you just like taking the same sounds and just regurgitating them in a slightly different way <laughs> with like you know the hottest new producer <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's tricky to find that that line because there are you know like amy winehouse people loved her retro sound and it's like but she had a new way of doing it but if somebody's too much like the old sound it's like oh now it's people back away from it a bit and it's hard to find that line it's very hard to feel around to where that actually is yeah i think that uh most notably godsmack that's sort of okay it's it's named after an alice in chain song and then the way he sings is kind of like okay that's super trying to sound like, right uh, lane staley but I mean, like, you oh, can... and they had songs about, you know, doing drugs and it was, uh, they were one of them, <laughs> I think yeah. that was in the song and actually Stained and Godsmack are both from Massachusetts, which is where I'm from. So. Oh, okay. You can't talk too much about it. It's like, I know, but. Uh... They were popular here. The, my first big show I went to as a teenager was like. It was Ozfest. I think it was ninety eight or ninety nine. I think mm -hmm. I know Godsmack was there. I don't know if Stain was there, but I was there to see I, Ozzy and System of the Down were pretty good. But the in Primus, but the the new metalish stuff wasn't quite my thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's tricky to because a lot of the grunge pushback was on the imitators. And um, they, they mentioned that in PJ20 pretty directly where uh, Cameron Crowe, like, used the, the celebrity death match. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he dropped that in there. It was, like, Eddie versus Scott Stapp. And I remember seeing that episode as a, I don't know, as a teenager, as a late junior high kid. But um, it's uh, it's funny to see, yeah, where the, the influence, when it goes too far, you know. Yeah, and most most people who like create and everything like that have influences, and they have people that they look up to. And it's kind of like, oh man, like a, a reason, you know, pretty much why they're doing it. You know, artists and musicians, and you know, all that sort of stuff. And that's sort of usually where you kind of start from. And so, you know, if if you're like an artist or something like that, and it's kind of like, okay, I kind of like this guy, so I'm going to start like kind of drawing. I'm going to use their drawings as reference to sort of figure out how they do it and you know if you like a certain band or something like that you know you're singing along to their songs and so you're going to kind of use their voice as a reference point and so you're going to kind of be attracted to that you know if you are writing you're going to try to use turns of phrases or different right. grammatical tricks or stuff like that to try to figure out how you want to write because you know it's kind of like okay i'll just use this as a reference and kind of base things off of how they do it and then 
in the imitating, you kind of find your own road to your own creativity. And it's kind of, okay, I can do it my own way now that, you know, that I can take off the training wheels basically. And so I found my own voice and I can do everything by myself and all that. And it, it is sort of like, okay, well, if you've found your own voice and you find out that it's a lot like somebody else's, <laughs> it's kind of like, hmm, maybe I should try to do something different so that it is more my own. You know, I mean, like with with um, some bands and stuff like that, it's kind of like, okay, well, if you're singing like Lane Staley, that's one thing, but just don't layer your vocals a whole bunch and stuff so that you're doing it in the same style and doing like everything like it. It's kind of like, okay, well, let me maybe not use reverb too, or, you know, kind of do something else so that it, it, it sounds different. Right. Right. And I, now is a person from, were you born in Nevada? Uh, no, I was born in the Bay area, but had lived, but I've oh, okay. lived here for pretty much, for pretty okay. much all my life. <laughs> now as like, I know I went to college in New Hampshire, but I know that there were so many friends of mine who are English majors like myself who love Hunter S. Thompson. And he was like a guy that so many people like tried to (laughs) do that, that voice of, and I just think of you and for fear of living in Las Vegas, like there must be so many clowns who like visit (laughs) Vegas and they're like, all right, I'm going to go to the circus circus and I'm going to try to write my, you know, my novel. And it's like, all right, man, this has been done. (laughs) Yeah. Or it's like, Oh, well, they did a bunch of drugs, so I got to do drugs right. and try well, to do this too. Yeah, thing yeah. too. And, you know, that kind of goes back like to the beat poets and all that sort of stuff in Ginsburg and well, all yeah, that sort we, of stuff. Ginsburg, and, yeah, yeah, we're tying it back there. Nice. Yeah, see, yeah, I'm, like, I'm a professional, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a professional because I call myself a professional. It's not because I actually am, but <laughs> <laughs> professional level hair. There we go. Nice. <laughs> I can tie everything together. Yeah. But and and the same goes for like musicians and stuff like that. I mean, follow right after uh, Lane Staley died, heroin overdoses had been going down. But that year in 2002, they started going up again, oh, and man. actually, like nationally, like heroin overdoses between 2002 and 2013 ended up quadrupling. And you know now it's all fentanyl, so. Right. Yeah, no, I know. If you watch that show uh Dope Sick with uh Michael Keaton, I think it's on FX. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a really good kind of lays out the whole chain of the pharmaceutical companies pushing it and then it becoming a little too expensive and then people go into street drugs and then it's just wiping out so many people. It's it's uh it's pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this song is it is so raw and it is mm-hmm. so like, I mean, it's very pretty much solo ed. So I'm not surprised they've never played it before because before we, we did mention like he didn't want it to seem exploitative yeah. and that's why it's even deeper as a hidden track. But I would say it is, it is a really, you know, interesting song. It kind of feeds into that like Vitology vibe, like not for you. And there's, there's like an authenticity uh, stance that he's taking with the song, like that he's like, you know, there's this is a real person. This is not a fad. This is like a person died. A person who made great art is gone. 
it's not fair to take it and to promote your own career with it. And it's, it, it's one of those things that you, if you've ever lost somebody who's died before their time, maybe they made, had a bad night, had made a bad decision, whatever. It, like it was just something that happened before it should have. Um, you want to defend that person. You want to defend their their legacy. So I can see how this just came out of Ed in that way. And it's it's powerful. And that's why we love the guy. <laughs> Cause he's he can he can put it down and you know, he's got that voice and he's got that writing ability and he can just succinctly package it into a little piece of art for us. Yeah, and, and Allison Chains were they they'd started before Pearl Jam and so they but you know, they were pretty much the first people that they toured with too. So it's kind of like it went way back. And so of course it's going to kind of hurt. And and I believe uh, Lane also like his dad was never around. Like, I think like his dad sort of left like right, right around when he was born or something like that. And right. as far as he knew, he was like dead or something like that. And then I think uh, when he got famous, his dad like came back around and uh, he was, he he was an addict, and so I think he was like, kind of I don't know possibly oh boy. where that kind of comes into play of genetics and biology, yeah. And uh, then you know it's kind of like, oh hey yeah, let's reconnect and all this sort of stuff. And his dad kind of was like, okay cool, uh, can you give me some money then? And oh boy, yeah, that's that's oof. that's a dark place to be in for him, and it's uh, I can't imagine that because it's like. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants Pacia, but when it's family, it's like I can only imagine that it gets complicated fast. Even when it's not like drugs, I'm sure coming into a lot of money can get tricky in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it reminded me a little bit of the original version of Gone when I th- was at Atlantic City when he played it like Solo Electric. Yeah. 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 Which I wish he would play it like that. Like I, I would love to hear it like that in that naked form because it's so, so good. But it kind of reminded me a bit of that. Oh, and then also to bring it to like one of the new the new album gigaton it also it makes you think a little bit of comes and goes mm-hmm. just as far as i don't know there's like heavy cornell stuff you can read into that as far as like a friendship that kind of they hadn't been in contact much in the recent years and then like he just wishes that he could have reached out more and I don't know, you could read that into a song like this because there was like immortality had tinges of Kurt. This one was like pretty clearly lame. Yeah. And then Chris with comes and goes, it was like, he, I mean, and they haven't played that one yet either. So it feels like he doesn't want to touch it. Like maybe it's too emotional for him to play or maybe, maybe there's some other reason. It just feels like, it's both all three of those songs might have a bit of that energy to it where he's really thinking about another person that's uh that he wishes was still here i think probably another reason too why left off of riot act because it's just sort of like that is 
the post 9-11 post Roskilde, it's already a very sort of heavy yeah it's loss pretty bleak record, so. right <laughs> Well, they could have thrown Grammy out of control or something in there, just <laughs> <laughs> liven it up a bit. Uh, yeah, and and I I really really enjoy that record a lot because it's there's just a lot of writers and there's a lot of different emotions, but it's um it is weighty mm-hmm. as binaural was too. Yeah. Now, would you would you say do you have a favorite hidden track? I would say this might be their most fully realized one, even though it's just Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, and it's a very visceral, like immediate song. But it is a song that has a real direction and message. And I think this might be my favorite one. Although Master Slave is pretty iconic because it starts the record too mm-hmm. and it is i really like hummus though hummus is cool that's the only other one that has vocals right because mm-hmm. writer's block is just pounding yeah. unless if i forgot another one <laughs> but i think it's what writer's block hummus master slave and this one yeah i believe that's it and then possibly the outro of inside job okay but i don't know this one's pretty great and they don't seem to, I don't know, hidden tracks don't really seem to be a thing anymore. But uh, I'm glad they did this one because this one was uh, pretty pretty solid. I don't know, it's dark, but it gave Lane, who is just an amazing talent, like uh, a little a little love, which maybe could have uh, used a little more of or a little, been a little more receptive. To, I don't know how it works, but. It just, you wish that he was still around, I guess, was all I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was, uh, he was an amazing talent. He had that, like, that, like, droning, but also, it was, like, soulful. Sort of monotone, but. but... Like, he was, like, in mourning, but it was, like, almost like, uh, uh, Narasa. Nusrat Fatalikon. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He had that ability. It would be like these long, mournful notes, and then he could like flutter around the scale a bit and make it like really colorful. And oh man, he was so so good. I just uh, he's missed. Yeah. If there's there's pretty much like nothing that you can do if somebody isn't ready to accept help. I mean, that's kind of why people say that you have to hit rock bottom before you're going to change your life around because it's sort of like, no, it's still, it's still okay. It's still good. Like it's, it's, I'm not hopeless yet. I can still kind of see how I get out of this. And you know, it's right where it's kind of like, okay, like, no, (laughs) I need, uh, I, I can't survive like this. I need to do something else. And I mean, it's, it's kind of difficult to be somebody who's witnessing that in another person and you know it's kind of like well how much how many chances do you give them and it's sort of like well you know i'm trying to give you my hand to help you up but are you going to try to drag me down you know too because just take advantage of me and not help yourself and i i think that you know people will be in uh interventions and stuff like that and be sort of like well if you don't do this, then I'm out of your life right? because you can't live. You got to save yourself. You got to put the, the, the mask on yourself before you put it on, you know, the person next to you. And if the person next to you is like fighting the whole time, it's sort of like, okay, well, 
what am I supposed to do then? Yeah. And it's, and that, that can be um, a therapeutic choice to be like, we need to show them what happens when everybody pulls away. Like it's just going to be you and the drug. It's not going to be, you know, it's going to be pretty empty. (laughs) The thing you're chasing. Yeah. and, and, And he did pull away in the last couple of years. Right, right. And he was, you know, that's things, you know, just kind of isolation, lonesome friend. You know, it's kind of just like, well, yeah, it's just, it's just you and me, drug, because you know nobody else can handle me like this. Yeah, it's, uh, it just, yeah, it's, it's such a dark, uh, uh, circling the drain kind of mentality that can get you to that point and you just wish there was a way to magically pull somebody out of it but it's it's uh not something to can be easily solved or understood but it's uh it's i don't know dark (laughs) (laughs) dark as dark can be and it's the people the the people who uh do treatment program like the counselors and the 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 people who do that good work i just think are amazing mm-hmm. and they they cuz i'm sure they've had a lot of people that didn't make it and and it's got to be a hard job so yeah. cheers to them cheers to lane love them cheers to the the people who try to help those people and um cheers to anybody struggling too cuz you'll find it there's there's light somewhere <laughs> you just got to find it uh so how about something that gives you light then? Uh, we've, we, we know how you got into Pearl Jam, and, and we know what Pearl Jam means to you, but we don't know your Pearl Jam album rankings. So let's, let's, let's share that with the people here today. All right. Start, we got we to start from the bottom, though, and go from your least favorite to your favorite. And, of course, these aren't legally binding and are subject to change <laughs> and... Uh, are not uh, grounds for any ridicule from anybody. All right. So okay. Okay. Stay under your bridges, trolls. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, you uh, keeping the trolls at bay. Me, on the other hand, <laughs> will put you in your place. If uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, I can take every week. Um, but. So there are 11 albums, and number 11, I will give it to Backspacer. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for the reason that it's got the fewest songs that I go back to. There are like three or four that I really enjoy, and the others are fine, and they just are fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I, but I still, if I ever hear the end live, I would be very excited because I, that's one that I am really chasing on my uh on my list of songs I haven't heard yet. I like Unthought Known, I like Amongst the Waves, I, I like Gonna See My Friend, that's a good punchy one. But then there's like a bunch in the middle that I'm like, these are all like C plus B minus songs that I'm not they don't like wow me much. But anyway, uh number ten, Lightning Bolt, I would say I love I liked loved this album through track seven pendulum but after that kind of fell off for me it felt like 
the rest of it, I'm like, oh, they should have traded one of these for of the earth or something. It just needed like one more and like let the records play didn't do much for me. They needed like one more good rock song to grab the back end of it. Mm-hmm. And nine, I would put avocado. I don't, I didn't love the recording of it, but I did enjoy these songs live quite a bit. They, they were good punchy rock songs, but Ed sounded a little screechy on the original recording. So that's why I put this one here. And I wish they would play some of the deeper cuts live more recently. Like I love Marker in the Sand, but they don't Mm -hmm. really play that one much anymore. At eight, I put Gigaton. I really liked it. I'd put it maybe a little higher if I heard more of the songs live. I wish, I know they kind of, the set list has shrunk a little bit recently. So they've only been playing like three or four per show recently, but I want to see it more of it live. I, I love the writing in it. I love the song. So I put that at eight, uh, seven, binaural. I really like the album, but I like the songs live even better. And I also, the songs that they left out <laughs> were mm-hmm. like, were like, oh, if they switched a few of them, it just seemed a little bit like a missed opportunity. There could have been yeah, a yeah. couple of changes, but, but it's one I love. And then six, I'm going to put a, this might be my one wrinkle. I'm going to put 10 in that. This is me saying like this 10 feels kind of like Coca-Cola classic to me right now where like it's reliable it's great it's great at certain moments but i don't feel like there's anything more i can discover in it like i feel like i've like explored every molecule of 10 Mm -hmm. and i love it and i love it live and there's versions of the songs i love so much but it's like it's not going to age like a scotch or something or (laughs) like it's not going to get better it's like i've i think i've maximized it (laughs) So that's why I put it kind of in the middle. And then five, I put verses kind of for the same reason as 10. Like, I feel like I've maximized what I can get out of it. Mm -hmm. And then four, Riot Acts. I just love how it's kind of weird. It's got a lot of songs. It's kind of a bit overblown, but it's as far as like the length of the album. But I still listen to the songs. I get new things out of the lyrics. I get new things out of the sounds and I can hear more, you know, different instrumentations in the background. And I just, I just think it's well done. Three, no code. I love how loose and kind of like take her to leave it. It was when they put it out, they're just like, Hey, this is, this is not versus this is not raw, like mythology. This is kind of loose, a little bit Eastern tinged, a little bit more percussive in some parts. And you don't have to love it. <laughs> There's not going to be like a hit song on here. This is just kind of like, let this wash over you. And it took a bit to like it, but I really did. After like 20 listens, I was like, I, I think I love this now. So with that at three, uh, two, I have yields. I think this is the very best sounded sounding Pearl Jam has ever sounded on a record. It's a little glossy but they do throw in like some strangeness like push me pull me and red dot and that weird like elevator sound in the beginning of no way <laughs> and i still am chasing no way no way is like a song that i just love yeah but for some reason stone i think doesn't like to play it 
from what I've read. No, yeah. I think it's just because it's like the same thing just throughout the whole song, pretty much. And maybe so. he's boring. Yeah. Except then, except then for the the bridge, which is like, oh yeah, yeah, it's just crunchy and cool, and I don't know. I I just I would love to hear that one one day. <laughs> um, but and and it's got great songwriting from all the members. Like I think Pilot's cool. I think you know all those yesterdays, like another Stone song, and then just there's so many it's just a good representation of everything they do and then one i will put vitology i love this uh this album so much it's so weird it's so it's one of their heaviest maybe their heaviest album but it's also somehow their sweetest and most poppy but it's also dark and weird and kind of effed up (laughs) especially in some parts with at the end and it just like is a weird mix of everything and it was a huge risk like i'm sure when they handed it to the record company they were like what in the world is this they're like okay maybe better men we could sell they're like no 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 that's not even gonna be a single <laughs> <laughs> like oh god you guys you're killing us and they're like we're not we made you a lot of money last time and we're gonna do and we're and we're gonna add a lot of extra printing costs too (laughs) (laughs) and you're gonna have to uh pay to get the uh copyright for this book or whatever (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i loved all of that because it was just like a big middle finger to the whole process and i loved the lyrics and it just was them like at their when they were in a very i think stressed out point they almost had fun with it (laughs) even though it's not a fun record like they were like let's we have a lot of power right now like let's kind of make like a wild record and they did and that's why i'll put that one at one well thanks for uh sharing that with us and uh folks if you want to give me your album rankings then uh come on the show and uh then uh I get an episode to talk about a song, and then uh, you can tell everybody your album rankings. But that's besides the point. Thomas, thank you for coming on and talking to me about this song, even though it's this whole dark cloud sort of over it. But, I mean, that's the way life is sometimes, and it's all in how you react to it. You can either let it motivate you and make you grow, or let it weigh you down and nobody nobody wants that this is true yeah we're just uh glad we got to enjoy lane's art and um you know try to help out anybody else who's struggling to the better man podcast is produced by brandon palomo and published using a creative commons attribution share alike 4.0 license please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details All music played is owned by their respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I am on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to either ko-fi.com slash Brandon P or patreon.com slash Brandon P. You can also just give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, but don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share, and I'll read them on the season finale episode. 
Again, I'd like to thank my guest Thomas, and as always, this is Brandon saying, Inspired by the most logical race in the galaxy, the Vulcans, breeding will be permitted once every seven years. For many of you, this will mean much less breeding. For me, much, much more.